to our time together again today. We're excited that you're here with me. Well, not actually here with me, but you're here on the uh, listening end, and that's what matters. And I'm excited that you are. We're talking about uh, a strange phenomenon. We're talking about God's forgetfulness. God who knows everything. God who is everywhere. God who has omniscience and omnipower and omnipresence. God, this kind of God does forget, and his forgetfulness is his own choice. He says when we trust him and bring our sins to him and confess them to him, that he forgives us and he forgets our sins and remembers them against us no more. The psalmist put it this way in Psalm 103, verse 11. He said, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You can't go any further from and going as far as you can to the east, as far as you can go to the west. It, that's how far, as far as you can possibly go in this world is how far. That's just a, a picture. That's a symbol. That's the way the psalmist was trying to get it across to the people of his day, that if you bring your sins to God, he forgives you. He remembers them no more. He removes them. You see, if you're still worried about a sin that you committed years ago and you have confessed it to God, God has forgotten it. God has blotted it out. God remembers it no more. He says he blots out our transgressions. It's like they're written on a page, and he takes a giant eraser and erases them, or he takes the paper upon which they are written and cuts it into tiny pieces and throws it away into the burning fire. So he pardons, he forgives. I like the way the prophet Micah put it. He said, who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his, of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassions on us. You will turn our sins, you will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. He's, the, the writer Micah, the prophet Micah says, you put our sins under your feet and you walk on them. You, you just tread on them. They're unimportant anymore. They're not in front of your face. They're under your feet. You see, when the Bible talks about the face of God being toward us, it's talking about how God is looking seriously at us. But our sins, when we confess them to him, they're not, they're not there anymore because he has them underfoot. He's not looking at them. And also, he says he throws them into the depths of the sea. This is another picture that we can grasp in our finite minds of the infinite forgiveness and forgetfulness of God about our sins. There is a place in the Pacific Ocean near the island of Guam where the water is 31,614 feet deep. Uh, I don't know whether it still is, but in the past it was known as the deepest deepest place in any ocean now it's into a gigantic hole like that that God takes our sins and places them when we put our faith and trust in Christ and when we confess our sins to him and yet there is one condition about which is necessary for God to forgive our sins and to forget them and that is that we confess them and first John 1 8 the Bible says if we confess our sins he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Now, the word confess means to agree with, 
So when we confess our sins, we come to God and we say, God, I agree with you that that anger was wrong, and I ask you to please forgive me. I agree with you that that lust was wrong. I agree with you that that greed was wrong. I agree with you. Whatever it is, I just bring it to you, and I agree with you, God. You said it's wrong. I say it's wrong. We agree, and I ask you to take it away. I ask you to forget it. We face up to our, our sin. We admit our sin, and we agree with God. And when we do, God forgives us. And there's nothing much in, in this world that equates to the forgiveness of God. I remember the day that I, I put my faith and trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior as a boy. It may seem like something trivial because I was only a boy and I didn't have a lifetime of sin, but I knew I was a sinner and I knew that I needed a Savior. And I remember that day when I asked Christ to come into my life and forgive me. It was like a giant burden was lifted off my shoulders. It was like God took all of my sins, which were weighted down on me, and he took the weight of them upon himself, which is exactly what he did. I agreed with him, and he forgave me, and, and he forgot. He buried them in the depths of the sea. He removed them as far as the east is from the west. He put them behind his back, the Bible says, and he trotted them. He trod, treads on them under his feet. God loves us, and he forgives us. And he forgets our sins as we put our trust in him. What an amazing truth. I hope that that truth will really stay with you today. And there's another one that I want to share with you that's also very significant. I'll just get started on it today, and then we'll talk more about it in the days ahead. But I want to ask this question. Maybe you've not thought about this question, but it's one you need to ask because a lot of people are confused about it, here's the question. Is Jesus Christ really enough? Is he enough to forgive our sins, take us to heaven, or do we need Jesus plus something, or is there something that we can do in place of Jesus? You see, a lot of people today think that if they're good enough and if their good overrides their bad, then they're going to be okay. But that's not what the Bible says. And in fact, if that were true, then Jesus coming to die on the cross for our sins was, was a mistake, was a, was a useless gesture, was unimportant. Because if we can work our way to heaven, then why would God have his heart broken? And why would Jesus have his life torn apart to go and die for us on the cross if it wasn't necessary for a payment to be made for our sins? In Acts 15, uh, there, there is given to us a description, and we'll, we'll read this tomorrow, but it describes the problem in the early church. In the first century church, they were, they were facing their greatest crisis. Now, it was not a persecution from Rome. It was not a persecution from Jewish authorities. It was not a great sin in the church fellowship. It was an attempt to change and add to God's way of salvation. There were people who were saying, yes, you need to trust Jesus, and he died on the cross for your sins, but you need to keep these rules and keep these laws and keep these religious regulations. Jesus plus this, and you'll be okay. But the Bible indicates that's not true. It's Jesus only. I hope you have a great day, and God bless you, and I pray that this will be a blessing to you tomorrow as we finish. 